I'm Justin. I'm Frank. I'm Tom. And we're, we're plaid lads. 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 Plaid lads. Pladdington Laddingtons. Schmaddingtons. I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that being uh, called no. a feller. Hmm? I wasn't ready to be called a feller right then. I'm always ready. You got to be prepared. I was in the Cub Scouts. They teach you that. Were you in the Cub I was, Scouts? I was also in the Cub Scouts. Yeah. What rank did you get to? I don't fucking I know. I did. My mom was the like leader, <laughs> Cub leader, and I was forced to be in it. She wanted me to make friends. She kept trying to do that. She put me in soccer. It was terrible. Oh, oh yeah. I, same thing for me with with baseball, uh, and I I got stuck in right field. And if you know <laughs> baseball, that's where they stick the kids who can't play. That's that's where they stick a plaid lens. It's <laughs> absolutely where they stick a plaid. Now, lens. did you continue on from Cub Scouts into Boy Scouts? Because I've never met anybody I'm- who. Looks more like an Eagle Scout. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. I hated it. I hated it. I hated camping. The one time we went camping, it was a bullshit camping where it was a campground where we all stayed in cabins. Like there wasn't even a That's tent not set up. Camping. It wasn't even real camping. That's uh, just a romantic we, uh, getaway. getaway. <laughs> yeah, it was. But we did do this cedar water hike. Like we did this hike through cedar water. Like uh, it through just walking along in a river. <laughs> yes. And it was crazy because cedar water, like it get especially the time of year we went, I think it was like late fall. So it was fucking freezing and you're making children, little children, uh, trudge through this freezing river water at the behest of adults. Now, are you uh, sure you weren't, uh, hijacked? By... <laughs> sure I wasn't abused, uh, by the yellow King. Like, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Maybe I'm blocking out a horrible memory here. Well, let, let's keep it blocked for now. <laughs> Tom, Tom, do you have any experience with being forced to do things? No, you were more, you were a more well-adjusted, well, sociable kid, I, I would say, probably, right? <laughs> no, nah, probably not. Uh, I uh, I was in, in the Boy Scouts. I've seen, I've seen adorable hockey photos, though. <laughs> Yeah, I was on. It was I was I was in the right field of of hockey. Um, what position is that? I guess it's defense. Uh, it's uh, you're on a snowman patrol. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was roller hockey. There was there was no snow to be had. Oh, not, not even ice hockey. No, no, not even ice hockey. Uh, I was in the Boy Scouts for like two weeks. I was a little older, so I wasn't old. I was too old to be like a Cub Scout, and. Uh, my neighbor slash my mom's boss uh, was like the leader guy. So it was like, I was trying to like my best friend from when I was really little just moved away and it was traumatic. So I was trying to replace him, and it just wasn't working. And uh, so I went away to the camp uh, and it was like a legit camp with like tents and shit. 
And uh, I just basically sat in my tent eating Twizzlers until I faked having heat exhaustion to come come home. And then my dad uh, found me in the basement at home again playing GoldenEye uh, 64. He's yes. like, I thought you were at camp. And I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. Pass me a Twinkie. I was a f- I'm beating Jaws. I'm beating Jaws and Odd Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you have to remember, I was also a little butterball. I was a little morbidly I'm, obese I'm child. A, I'm assuming we all were. I, I, oh, oh, sure. Yes, Frank. Yes. Okay. I was actually, I was a little bit skinnier as a kid and became a little bit of butterball come middle school. Oh, but, you're, uh, you're nouveau fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we look down upon people like you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've, I, I'm, uh, I started life very skinny. I got really fat when I was 10. And then I graduated high school and got really skinny again, and I think I've found the balance now. <laughs> nice. Where uh, I'm just a little overweight. I've been fat forever, though that leads into something in the, our feist conversation, which I'll say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm actually interested to see where that goes, because I don't know how a very pleasant autumnal uh, indie album will will relate to that. But mm. let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be disturbing, folks. Speaking of yep. being young and fat and in Cub Scouts and other things, I've got a question for you, fellas. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. What's going on? And the award for best segue goes to... Justin. With... What's going on? Are we... Okay, I'm going to do I'm it again. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little pitch. I said that was a little What's pit- going on? That was a little pitchier than last time. It was yeah, a little pitchier. Yeah, they uh, spliced the uh, first one in. No, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, do that. Put the first one in the audio. <laughs> so what's going on? Okay, so uh, we're, we're on a nice little regular weekly kind of rotation now. So what's happened in the week of the last week? Now, I um, oh. have heard that Donald Trump murdered someone. <laughs> not, not quite. Okay. Not quite. Um... Although, yeah. <laughs> he, although he is sort of, kind of, in a roundabout way, participating in the cover-up of a murder. Yeah. So, uh, Frank, say his name. Jamal Khashoggi. Thank you. Uh, was a uh, dissident uh, journalist from Saudi Arabia who was a contributor to the Washington Post, amongst a great many other things. Uh, an outspoken critic of the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia being, of course, a regional ally in the Middle East to the United States, one with whom we have had a great many lucrative uh, military deals, not to mention all the oil. And uh, he done what turned up dead uh, after being uh, interrogated. You didn't see the air quotes at the Saudi consulate in Turkey. Uh, and it is uh, widely believed that he, during the course of that investigation, and I believe it's also verified by an audio recording collected by the Turkish, uh, which was then independently verified by the New York Times, that indeed he was tortured to death, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, while being, in, quote, interrogated uh, by the Saudi government. And uh, it's uh, they're trying to sweep it under the rug. Uh, we're not even really... F- we're sure we're sure but for intents and purposes we say he's still just disappeared at this moment disappeared yeah, he's, he's schrodinger's dissident journalist yeah. um mm. 
the one of the problems was in in the week coming up to this is that nobody was ever sure what if any of the what the Turkish uh, government was saying was on the up and up because they kept kind of going back on some things that they claimed was that they had found and had leaked. Uh, like initially there was supposed to have been uh, an Apple Watch recording, like an Apple Watch video recording that he had initiated on his phone or, or watch rather um, before entering the consulate. Uh, and it's unclear as to whether or not that is the recording that has been verified because in the initial stages, people were like, okay, uh, Erdogan, like your, your people are saying that this uh, Apple Watch recording exists. Where is it? And they were like, oh, we never said that. Um, yeah. I, and I, it's kind of weird it, because they whatever recording they have was probably collected in a very clandestine way. Yeah. they They're in a really tricky position because – if they admit that they have this recording, which they it sounds like they do, because like you said, the New York Times has verified the existence of something. Um, then they have to admit to the world that they were spying on the Saudi consulate, <laughs> which, so, which is more or less a foregone conclusion at this point anyway. I yeah, mean, I'm pretty but sure it's, just, it's not something you own up to. So, of course, this is calling. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, the. <laughs> These are funny times. So you got um, people justifiably very upset about this uh, at Saudi Arabia, which um, doesn't even Saudi Arabia being a monarchy. So they're not even trying to be democratic. Uh, but, you know, uh, then you got the Turks who are now a dictatorship, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, In everything but a name. Yeah, but I feel like he's just going to give up on that pretense pretty soon. And then yeah. uh, they're they're saying, "Hey, you've killed a dissident," whereas we uh, just jail them uh, <laughs> and make them live in the Poconos uh, and ping coups on them. Uh, and then they're trying to get Trump, who's like aspiring. You know what I mean? This is like, yeah, they they want him out of the Poconos real bad. By the way, Gulan uh, from a from. Gulan from the Poconos to a gulag. That yeah. didn't make as much sense as I thought it might. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Trump Trump is in a weird position where he doesn't know anything about. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's got that. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking idiot. That's he's, idiot. He's not smart. So he doesn't really understand. Like, why is everybody so mad? Why this is bad? <laughs> Um, because I think this is something that if he could get away with it, he would be cool with happening, um, to people who make him mad. Uh, like he's just going to one day, Graydon Carter is just going to end up in oil barrels, uh, in like fucking Lunchables, uh, containers. Uh, you know, Graydon Carter's fucking pinky ring is going to be dissolving (laughs) in lie, uh, because fucking Vanity Fair made fun of him too many times. And um, uh, wind up in a Lunchable that will be eaten by, shout out to Lindsay. Uh, you're never going to hear the, this. <laughs> Lindsay, you're uh, eating the corpses of murdered dissidents. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so this is something that, like, in his deepest fantasy, he probably wishes could happen, but doesn't quite understand, like, the mechanics of getting, like, these pipe-hitting motherfuckers together to do it. Um. So he doesn't understand why this guy getting pulled into a consulate, getting his fingers cut off, 
while he was still alive and then possibly being dismembered while still alive is something that would be a problem for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, but they give us so much money. Now, and they give us so many guns and oil. Now, a lot's being made about Trump's own business ties to the Saudis and, of course, that of Kushner as well. But much like the strong economic recovery and the uh, the h- highest uh, job opening rate we've had in uh, years and decades, uh, this has been rolling since the Obama days. Oh, yeah. This has been rolling since forever, our relationship with the Saudis. Oh, yeah. You know? You know, it's it's what it's the special relationship uh, that we have that's not rooted in any sort of shared Western values nope. uh, or love or democracy, like our special relationships with the UK or Canada or France. Uh, or it's the Shah just of Iran. Pure, pure transactional greed. Yeah, yeah. This is a. <laughs> This is one uh, we. There's not even any pretense for. No, and, and nobody cares. Everybody knows that's what the deal is. That why? Because when he was saying like, "I'm not sacrificing a hundred million dollars in in arms sales over this," he said that, and so he, did he fucking did say Lindsey that. Graham. Well, you know, it's like. <laughs> well, you know, as as any Yemeni can tell you, it's <laughs> going to take more than one dead body to get America to stop profiting off of our. Uh, uh, our military arms sales. Yeah, uh, we still haven't even officially acknowledged that what's happening in Yemen is happening. I have a question for you guys. Had any of you heard of this guy before he got marked? Nope. Me neither. No. So what the fuck was... Why did they care so much? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did they care so much? Why are you going to cut that dude's finger off? He was I, writing boring articles for the Washington Post about how much you suck. People talk about how much you suck all the time, Mohammed bin Salman. I think he's deal a, with it. he's a crisis actor. I think he's uh, he was just a homeless man they found, and uh, that the uh, that uh, George Soros hired to uh, be. Uh... <laughs> this is all a hot bunch of nonsense. It's the Clintons' fault, really. This is Clinton's fault. This is all Clinton's fault. Bullshit. Here's um, my hot take on all of this. In, in addition think... to that, we also had the Elizabeth Warren thing. <laughs> What, oh. what's the, what's that what's oh, this God. also had the elizabeth warren thing it's amazing i try so hard i've been not reading up on any of this i've been actively avoiding these uh these headlines because my mood hasn't been great and yet i still know everything about all of these <laughs> it has found me so yeah. oh, okay elizabeth warren like so many irritating people likes to claim that she is one one billionth uh cherokee yeah. or navajo or something I forget. Sure. Like I said, I haven't read about it. Uh, and uh, Trump was like, oh, I'll bet you a million dollars that's a load of shit. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then she had like genealogy.com verify I'm it. Fucking 23 did Mead. Yeah, yeah. Fucking 23 and Mead checked it out. Uh, and meanwhile, <laughs> the uh, tribal councils of the United States are like, please. Fuck. You lady, yeah. please stop both of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, who who is there? Okay, 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 okay. Uh, please, please enlighten me. Please enlighten me. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm a big dummy. I don't know. Who is there to we, we can look to at, for hope? Who is there? Batman. Who? Batman. Batman. Fuck Batman, we'll get to it. Is there anybody out there in the political spectrum that we can look towards um, with any sort of uh, uh, idea of decency and, and, and genuineness of, 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 uh, of, of person? No. Cory Booker? 
No. What's Cory Booker done for, to you? What is Cory, Cory Booker's done nothing to me personally, uh, but he's one of those sort of like in the pocket of big pharma guys that yeah. I don't necessarily trust. <laughs> I mean, I, I would still vote for him. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously. And also, have we talked about how the midterms are coming up? Yes. The three of us live in New Jersey, which means we are going to have to hold our nose and vote for Bob Menendez, one Mm. of the most cartoonishly corrupt people. Don't forget uh, Norcross. And Donald Norcross, yeah. Uh, We're going to have to vote for both of those guys. Guys, we better not criticize Norcross too much. We might might wind up in a Saudi consulate in uh, in Trenton. (laughs) Or we'll wind up in the fucking Pine Barrens. You know what that makes me think about? What's that? I, I really I, just makes me want to taking of Pelham one two three. <laughs> Plaid lads, we're going to the movies. Let's all go to the Pelham. Pelham one two three. Take. We are Narnia wagging our fingers, fingers doing old time song. That's all really great. <laughs> okay, so the movie this week is the taking of Pelham one two three. One, two, the nineteen. 19- 74 American yes, 1974 74 Frank. 74 1974 American uh action thriller set action? in New York City <laughs> Yeah there's some yeah. action scenes in it right. It's a caper Yeah, yeah. A caper I'll take caper Um and it is about a group of men who go by pseudonymous nicknames uh coded by color which is something that Quentin Tarantino would reference in Reservoir Dogs uh, who all wear the same disguise, and they take a New York City subway train hostage and demand that they be given uh, a million, million dollars <laughs> in ransom, uh, or else they will keep killing people on the train and then just let the train go and hit a wall. Uh, and this was this movie was made back when New York City was broke and didn't have that kind of money, which is something that recurs throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor is famously in this film depicted as a really cheap, neurotic piece of shit mm-hmm. who can't figure out how to take uh, a certain amount of the city's budget to put towards a hostage crisis. Uh, and when he uh, finally decides to do so, he is sarcastically referred to as the next Fiorella LaGuardia. <laughs> Oh, oh! Everything about this movie is wonderful. So, uh, and they are thwarted by none other than Walter Matthau. I love Walter C- Matthau so goddamn much as oh, a grudgingly grumpy New York City Transit Authority worker, and his partner is Jerry Wacken. Stiller, who's playing a Puerto Rican guy, which we'll get to. We'll get to. <laughs> and and the the head of the um the criminals is uh, one Robert Shaw. One Robert Shaw, um, very excellent. Who, if if I may. Uh, played a very cold character. He had yeah, he was he black was wonderful. eyes, yeah, like no, doll's God. eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> what um, freak? Uh, one of the other uh, want to know uh, how I got this scar? Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, no, uh, one of the other characters. Did you catch this? He was did in Jaws. This that's what I was doing. Hold on, Justin. The the worst one of them. Did you catch who the worst one was? The one who used the homophobic slur. Um, uh, what's his name? That was Hector Elizondo. Yes. That was young yeah, Hector yeah, yeah, Elizondo. Yeah, yeah. 
he um, he used uh, he used lots of slurs. He used lots of slurs before he became uh, a mystical concierge. It, it is full of that <laughs> delightful. It's it's delightful. It's it's New York City. We're all homophobic and racist. <laughs> I'm walking in. Yeah. yeah no, uh, so before we, I because I that's one of my favorite things about it. And before we get into that, uh, fuck you, Frank. Uh, so <laughs> we have a spreadsheet where we. Um, we sort of uh, show where our movies we're going to watch are available to be watched. And for this week, it was shown as being uh, on demand through our cable company or whatever. And so I said, oh, let me just tuck into this. So I found it and I got about 20 minutes into it before I realized that, oh, I'm watching the 2009 version <laughs> with fucking long- John, Travolta John Travolta and Denzel Washington. <laughs> How long before Denzel Washington is on screen? Oh, like 30 seconds. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and I just sat there thinking, no, no, we this cannot be the film for the week. It, this is terrible. It's terrible. It's a bad, it famously hey, hey. has a great line where uh, John Travolta says, "Lick my bunghole, motherfucker." Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> Did, no. Was was this the era when he tried to come back and everybody said no, thank you? <laughs> Yes, he was trying to be Nicolas Cage. Oh Jesus, you are you are no Nicolas Cage. Cage. <laughs> that is uh that is not a good place to be in. I, I miss this kind of writing because um this level of of writing you don't get anymore. It is um this level today would be too uh, self-referential, uh, or it, this is a hilarious movie. Yeah. Oh my god. It is so funny. But but the like fun, yeah. quietly hilarious. <clears throat> yeah, and it's fun too. It is a fun mm-hmm. watch. Like something entertaining is always happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. This was like. Ba- back when the world was run by 50 year old wheezing men who wore their pants three inches below their nipples, uh, whose hearts all exploded. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Everybody is just, uh, like ancient. This movie looks like it is a flashback scene accomplished with makeup to make everybody look 30 years younger. Everybody. (laughs) No, uh, let me ask you, how old was Walter Matthau in this film? And let's, was let's he, check was that. he like 25? <laughs> <laughs> he was 54. 54. Oh, oh. He looks 89. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is a movie I I uh I have never smelled brill cream without oh, brill cream yeah. being around before. Uh this movie also made me really appreciate my uh eyeglasses. Which, uh, for those Very of you at home, back are more or less the same black the same. plastic <laughs> yeah. frames worn as a like Groucho Marx disguise by the uh, train robbers. Uh, the only thing I'm missing is the mustache and the machine gun. Yeah. Um, Badass uh, machine qu- guns. <laughs> great machine guns. Um, question for you. Uh, in the beginning of the film, when the experienced conductor is explaining to the trainee, like his job, mm-hmm. definitely intentional that their their dialogue is is uh, inaudible, right? Basically inaudible because of the train noises. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I read up a little bit on the production and um, I'm not sure if they meant to capture this, but they did. And therefore, it's there for us to talk about, which is. 
uh, they had a lot of trouble because where they filmed this is this abandoned uh, length of uh, line that got turned into the New York Transit Museum, but it was also used for filming all sorts of movies over the years. But the parallel tracks weren't shut down so they had a lot of trouble with uh, uh adjacent trains going by and they kept having to redo takes uh there was so much dust uh in this uh tunnel uh you should really read a quote from walter Matthau when he talked about the tunnel he, he starts riffing on the kinds of bugs he saw mm. uh bacteria that haven't been discovered by science yet but anytime somebody like tripped and fell or like a rat jumped it would kick up so much dust that they would have to stop shooting until the dust settled because they couldn't see uh so yeah this movie captured how loud new york city was back then still is but like all the engines all the trucks all the loud squeaking brakes the screaming people like it is just deafening and i i I, i'm not sure how much that was on purpose but it's there and it it works yeah um we should say Just as a matter of elucidating the plot a little bit more, Robert Shaw's character goes by Mr. Blue, and he is uh, revealed to be an ex like special forces mercenary guy who is implied has become like sort of nihilistically uh, removed from the world, kind Mm. of. Uh, And Martin Balsam, the guy who is playing Mr. Green, has a very severe cold and he is constantly sneezing. Gesundheit. yeah, and uh, Walter Matthau's character in contact with the thieves on the train over the phone keeps hearing Martin Balsam's character sneezing. And Martin Balsam's character is a former uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority uh, employee or New York Transit Authority, what they used to call it back then, uh, who was laid off. And he's doing this job to take the money from the city that laid him off. Uh, and that becomes important at the very end. When one of my favorite final shots yes. in the history of now, film happens. Now, I, I, I want to bring this up now. Yeah. So I have a... I have... <laughs> Tom just did it. I, I have um, one of my favorite things ever. I... Um, it's it's my Mount Rushmore faces. Now I understand that Mount Rushmore is made of faces, but these yeah. are better faces. One yeah. is... Um, uh, Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining, which I will, I will, I will do for you now, Frank. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good, um, pretty good. Um, it's it's more like yes, yes. <laughs> this is useless yeah. for the podcast, now, fellas. Now, yeah. And now, late in the film, a new addition came into my life when Robert Shaw, instead of being captured, decides to commit suicide. Do you oh, have the, cool. the death, penalty death penalty in New York? Yes. So he get, electrocutes himself, and he does, oh, one of these. <laughs> you don't have the hand up, the, the, the slowly shaking jazz hand with the, uh, the, the effect smoke coming off him. Which is incredible. And then I thought, oh, that's, that's all I need from this movie. But then at the very end, in a, in a, um, uh, a Columbo fashion, Walter Matthau is is, inter- is, inter- is interrogating this guy, and then he's like, "Wait a minute!" And he comes back in and he gives a little face like a you. It wasn't a little face. That was the biggest was face a- in film. Literally, just sa- he doesn't he doesn't say a word. It, it was it was the face of. <laughs> like, 
I got you, buddy. Because at the end of the movie, Martin Balsam's character is trying to hide the he money in he oven, got. Slapstick style. <laughs> yeah, in in his oven in his shitty apartment. Um, because uh, shock After- of all shocks, all of the thieves turn on each other at the end, right before uh, Robert Shaw commits suicide by uh, stepping on the third rail. Uh, and they have to kill Hector Elizondo. So Martin Balsam takes the money and runs. Um, and he's the one who gets pretty much all of the money because everybody else ends up dead. So as he's stuffing it in his oven, Walter Matthau and Hector Elizondo playing an Hispanic person, which we have to get to, uh, come to investigate. No, 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 no. Frank, Frank. When they arrive, he's literally has poured the money onto his bed and is rolling around <laughs> in the yes. money. <laughs> yes. And I believe he was swimming in it. <laughs> I'll have Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. <laughs> and Martin Balsam's character does a just convincing enough job to get Walter Matthau to leave. And then he sneezes because he's had a cold throughout the whole movie. Walter Matthau says, Gazoon tight. Opens the door back up, and just through the crack of the door, Walter Matthau's craggly old droopy dog face doesn't say a word. Like Justin said, just stares at him. And he's, oh, he says something with those eyes. Yeah. You little scamp. And what's great is this is a movie about working people, just sort of average Looking at like people don't look like this in movies anymore. That's true. It is a uh, who's who of character actors, and it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Can we talk about the accents for a moment? I'm whacking here. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> These are. I'm not sure if they're even real. Like, can accents be that thick? It it it's, it does uh, have um, feel like a, a bunch of British actors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing a, a, a movie set in the Midwest. So I, I'll think of an I'll think of an American accent. <laughs> it's funny because like, forget about it. <laughs> you kind of don't hear real New York accents in movies set in New York anymore. Mm. The only time you hear New York accents is, like Justin said, when British actors have to be American, because it's one of the two American accents they can do, is like vaguely New York or Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really, and in movies about New York, people just talk regular degular because <laughs> like everybody's a transplant in New York now. Like yeah. nobody's like been born and raised in the Bronx. Hey, Brooklyn, represent kind of a thing. Right. Uh, nobody says chocolate uh, right. anymore. <laughs> Uh, one thing I, I love about this movie, uh, uh, sort of old New York, maybe New York ahead of its time, we talked about its uh, just relentless everything-ism, uh, racism, sexism, homophobia. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just played for, look at these delightful scams. But the thing oh, is, God, though, racism. Uh, here's the thing, though, like, this movie was 1974 nobody like hardly anybody was thinking about pc shit and uh here on the train there's uh there's the black vietnam vet veteran yep. with the pharrell williams hat there's yep. uh the the puerto rican woman who doesn't speak english there's yes. uh there's uh the the, 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 the floozy broad who uh mr gray starts trying to pick up at one point there's the the mother with her children who are who's hysterical there's there's the cop that's just stuck down there yeah, uh, the black cop. The black cop. The black yeah. cop. Yeah, who's yeah. chasing after the train. Yeah, and like they talk about race in a way 
I'm oh, I do not want to be one of those guys who starts saying like PC is uh, politically correct stuff is counterproductive. But the fearlessness which with which all these characters uh, address all of their uh, bigoted bigoted stuff and biases kind of re- is self evident and self revealing. Like the yeah. the asshole in, in the command center who's just like oh female cops what are they yeah. good for yeah. she can't find a gun in her purse and like yeah. Uh, yeah. the black via uh, or the the black cop who's in the tunnel is just like you better tell these guys i'm down here i'm yeah. kind of hard to see in the dark yeah uh, uh, which, yeah which i honestly appreciated though that 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 moment because it's like no yeah that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he I, probably would have been shot <laughs> I, I think this is a perfect example of uh a film that is full of racism and and sexism and all of that and but the film itself is not yeah racist or sexist. it's weird it's weirdly like woke for 1974 yeah um kind of like new york was yeah that being said go ahead uh, that 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 being said i wanted to read off the cast list names for the characters that are actually trapped in the subway Mm, uh and it's the maid the mother the homosexual the secretary who's the the delivery boy i think it's the black guy black guy no 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 the black guy is the pimp oh Oh. uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh then there's the hooker, the old man, the older son, the Spanish woman, and the alcoholic. I love the alcoholic, by the, the way. The alcoholic she's, she's the uh, true protagonist of this film. It's, yeah. it's, it's such a broad comedic thing, but it Very fits perfectly. Um, <laughs> that, that she has been drunk and passed out during the whole uh, <laughs> thing and wakes up at the end. It's like, we're, we're at this stop already? You, yeah, you fucking movie. Fuck you. It's great. You, <laughs> we the most. Although we have to say, the most racist line in the movie is kind of. And speaking of it being sort of woke for 1974, the most racist thing that gets said in the movie, arguably, is sort of immediately followed up with a comeuppance. It's in the beginning. Uh, Japanese uh, yes. bullet train investors are right, yeah. are looking into the the New York subway. And they're being shown around by Walter Matthau. Uh, it is made to be understood to Walter Matthau that they can't speak English because they're not speaking to him as he's talking. Follow just me, kind dummies. Of very, Follow me. Yeah. They're just and he's talking to them. He's being insulting. And um, they're just kind of politely nodding and bowing to him the whole time. And to dismiss them as the action of the movie begins, Walter Matthau says uh, something to the effect of uh, – yeah, let's get these monkeys upstairs. And then they immediately sort of uh, get back at him by speaking English. Yeah, yeah we'll show we'll ourselves. Play. Yeah, we'll show great. ourselves upstairs. Yeah, this that's like, again, it's just like, it's, yeah, every uh, the characters are bigoted. I, like Justin said, the characters are bigoted, but I'm not sure the movie is. I don't think, I the, don't mo- think the, the movie's movie not. No, no. Uh, I don't think the movie was. I, I also simultaneously don't think the movie was trying to change anybody's minds. I, 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 yes, I had that thought. Is that I, I think all of the racism and all of that is is played for laughs. It's it's almost like yeah, like I was saying, like look at these adorable little racist people <laughs> all living yeah. together in one big old city. Yeah, it, we're it, New York. We're racist, but we're we're adorable. You know, it's yeah. like it's like the Canterbury Tales. It's just like yeah. everybody's like yeah. it's a variety of people, and they're all terrible in their own way. Um, yeah, fucking a. I, it was just delightfully awful. 
Uh, this everybody's dad was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, here's something I wanted to bring up. Um, the uh, the the plan that these guys had yeah, is, right? is simple. It's a it's a simple plan um, that was easily foiled. <laughs> Very easily. Are they a bunch of idiots? <laughs> well, I think that's another joke of the movie. Is there they're seen to be sort of good at it for the majority of it, mm-hmm. and that's what makes them scary. And then you realize. Oh no! This is a stupid plan mm. that could go wrong very easily, and they're just kind of petty thugs. Yeah, and they're not actually that good at their job. And it's kind of implied that Robert Shaw's only doing this because he wants to die. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just like straight up kills himself at the end. Yeah, yeah. That seemed a little nonsensical to me, but then I just kind of. Yeah, he's he. I, I think it took you saying that, Frank, to really make it. Make it some sense to me. There's a scene earlier on where uh, Mr. Green uh, is talking to Mr. Blue, and he's Mr. like, uh, you know, uh, what if they don't make it? Uh, we're going to, uh, well, then a lot of people are going to die today. And he says, uh, well, including us? He's like, very possible. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I, it's a bit of a death mission. I mean, this guy was like a fucking uh african mercenary dude he's probably got a lot of demons a lot of demons you might even say like if you really looked at him that he had black eyes like dog's eyes (laughs) what it's from jaws rob show was in other movies i've only seen him in jaws (laughs) he's also in a james bond movie now let me uh, Uh, he was also in uh, robin and marion He's the sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, speaking of Jaws, this movie yeah. was directed by, what's his name, Sergeant? Joseph Sargent. He directed the worst Jaws movie, slash best Jaws movie. Jaws the Revenge. Michael <laughs> <laughs> Caine as Hoagie. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to bring this up, that all of these movies, what would you call it? This wouldn't be a heist movie. This is more like a bank robbery movie. Yeah, it's not a heist the, movie, because in heist movies, you're rooting for the heisters. Yeah, which, I mean, I kind of a little was. Italian job-esque, maybe? See, that's more of a heist. This is, I think this is way more of a... But it's all like a similar kind of thing. But all of these movies are all, ooh, ooh, all the Air same. Air Force One? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of Air Force One. A little bit. Kind of Die Hard. Mm. Yes, yes. A very predecessor to Die Hard. Now, all of these movies follow the same exact plot beats, right? Mm. But But. which which makes, um, like I was thinking so much of Inside Man. Uh, I just rewatched it before I watched this. mm. Oh my god, it's a great fucking movie, and I I had the same tone. It did, and I I think Inside Man was a very conscious homage to this film. Yes. But what um, all of these movies are almost exactly the same, which really makes you think, especially this, which is like much earlier on than a lot of the ones that we we know, makes you appreciate that it all has to do with the writing, the characterization, and the tone. And yeah. for this movie, which was my first time seeing it, um, I found it just utterly delightful. And yeah, it's very fun. <laughs> It's the funnest collection of swearing, murder, uh, misogyny, racism, violence, theft. It was just a pure delight. I was grinning ear to ear watching those people die and be robbed. And uh, oh yeah, it was. I I I yeah yeah truly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I, I, I did want to talk about that because it's like the the this movie is a movie 
that does not act as moral instruction except in the sort of fundamental goodness and stick to of its sort of earthier characters. And? What? That was it. Shut the fuck, fuck up, Frank! Fuck you, Frank! <laughs> lonely, lonely, I, I just peed. <laughs> lonely, lonely, I just peed. I just peed with my dick. Is this making it the episode? Was super weirdly thick. <laughs> I think I may have been sick. <laughs> you might have a UTI. Oh, man. Okay, so this week we are talking about the 2004 sophomore album of Leslie Feist, who performs under the name Feist. Feist. Let it die. This is Let a record, uh, mostly originals, but uh, there are a few cover tunes on this, produced in a collaboration with a uh, serial collaborator, Chili Gonzalez, the music producer, uh, engineer, etc. Uh, this record. Um, Yes, I believe uh, was simultaneous with uh, Feist's involvement with Broken Social Scene. Um, we could forget. Uh, before uh, the biggest single off this, probably being singles one, probably being Mushaboom, Mushaboom, uh, and Secret, uh, Heart. Secret Heart, probably being the other one. So before the reminder when Feist uh, blew up like so many allergic people stung by bees. Uh, and uh, it introduced a very uh, kind of uh, a, a bizarre sonic aesthetic. Uh, it's, a, it's a very eclectic album, which which she her, her first. Well, now that I think about it, um, her other albums aren't very eclectic. Anyway, sorry. Did you, uh, no, they're they're a little more homogenous. Yeah. Than this one. Well, this one. Uh, in the sort of the way it's uh, composed and arranged, uh, it does have a common thread, which is um, fat on the bottom, thin on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's got this super sort of a, a feist trope that sort of comes back with with her records as she goes forward. Probably the most similar record to this record, at least in ways uh, speaking in terms of how it sounds, is probably her newest record, Pleasure. Uh, yeah, but like a big fat sub bass that you, if you don't have a proper sound system, you're probably not even going to hear at all. And then on top, very sparse, lilt, lilting little sprinkles of guitar, mm-hmm. and then her voice carrying it, her wonderful voice. And uh, then she's playing around with with the genre. You've got like canned lounge music. You've got um, soulful, uh, f- folky sadness. All interlaced with like smatterings of, I'm not sure if it's more Euro disco or mm. West Coast ga- West Coast gangster rap synth <laughs> cues. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just really fun, bizarre record. I was just I just looked up the personnel. A total of four people Jesus. Uh, were musicians on this record. Obviously, with overdubbing, they did more than stuff. Chili. And Gonz- Gonzalez is the the mm. big uh, contributor here in terms of arranging. Uh, it, has he been with her in metals? I that's a good question. I'll look that up while Frank says something. Uh, yeah, no. The, what's cool about this album and sort of all of Fight's albums in general, I feel, 
is that the star is kind although less so in the new one, I think the star is really her voice. Yeah. And the way that but in less of an ostentatious way than that saying normally applies to other singers, um, because she's not a super showy vocalist. Yeah, the star her, is the quality of her voice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 her her voice is a very interesting instrument into itself, mm-hmm. and she just sort of shapes albums and songs and moods around that. Um, and it's cool. And uh, I hope that uh, she gets back together with Broken Social Scene soon because she wasn't on the last album. Oh, uh, she was. Was she? She was. Uh, she did not tour with the band afterward, but oh. she she did come back for the tracking. She was not on the previous record. Uh, was it Compassion Rock album? Uh, she was on Hug of Thunder, though I believe. I'm waiting for That's her to a- get back with Peaches. Oh boy. Oh God. Now what? What is our person? I'll, I'll start our personal relationships to this album. This was a enormous album for me. I remember very vividly waking up at five in the morning. Um, to get ready for school, waiting for the school bus, and uh, MTV2 Subterranean was on. And, oh boy, that takes me back. And the music video for Mushaboom was on, which is a very kind of, uh, if you're in that half waking, half sleeping state, um, is very surreal, um, very like Michelle Gondry. <laughs> mm. um, uh, and from there, I... Uh, was in love with her music and uh her herself i um i sent her a message on myspace uh <clears throat> say whoa, i loved whoa, her <laughs> yeah yeah guys yeah say that more slowly and clearly so we can all uh make you feel Hang embarrassed on. she uh she hasn't gotten back to me <laughs> <laughs> wait what did it say say i love you <laughs> no 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 say? no it's weird what that it I say? remember this. Do you remember? You don't, don't remember, remember this. Leslie Feist, I, or, I'm not sure if you said that, but it's like, I, you, uh, I just want you to know that I'm in love with you. That is all. Oh, Jesus. Oh. That sounds like something I would say. <laughs> I have a lot of regrets, fellas. <laughs> I'm a different person now. I don't think you are. Now, now you could call this like, uh, well, in a good way, because uh, if, if a 20-year-old did that, that's creepy, nice guy behavior. But you were, you were like 15. Yeah, I so was that's a child. sweet. That's kind of like a kid. I was a child, but, but, um, this, this was a huge album for me. Um, especially the song, uh, lonely, lonely, that is you shut up. I'm not done. Lonely, lonely, that is you, which, um, Jesus, (laughs) Nobody at that time influenced my own personal music creation more than Feist. And my last thing I'll say before I I, I, I leave, I'm leaving, guys. <laughs> Sorry, um, is that the first time that I've always been a big boy, I've always been a chub chub zone. <laughs> the first time I lost a significant amount of weight, I went from like uh, at that time was I that big? Maybe from like 250 down to like 215. All, all I did was I would go in my room 
and lift weights. <laughs> Swing it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more. Yeah, yeah. Spotting myself listening to Let It Die. <laughs> this <laughs> album. I, I thought you were going to say go in my room and jerking off <laughs> while listening to Let It Die. Uh, yeah, it's uh, well, he could have because it's a pretty fucking sensuous album. It's a sensuous yeah. EB. All of her albums are, mm-hmm. more or less. Well, okay, like, this is, um, because I, I got on the Feist train, I was aware of Feist, I liked Feist, I knew how much Justin liked, liked Feist, <laughs> but uh, it took 2011's medals for me to get on fully the Feist is train. Uh, well, I was aware of Feist. I had let it die. I never really got too much into it. I was aware of the reminder. Everyone was aware of the reminder. Yeah. Uh, that album oh. was fucking gargantuan and steamrolled the earth. Uh, but Metals is when you I should have done that album. We I told you. One, you should two, have done three, that album. Four Pelham. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm Walter Math now. Um, it, robbers, robbers. Uh, so uh so uh yes um yeah so i got a, i got into fights with metals and uh so i've i've never really forged too personal a connection with this record and i was familiar with a lot of songs obviously like let it die mush boom you know the biggies lonely lonely secret heart uh but i kind of listened to it through a few times this week and uh man this is it's like it's too much for me it's too too sexual it's too uh oh i thought you were gonna say too sad oh it's too sad i literally spent like an hour long walk in the woods with just the refrain of the chorus of let it die stuck in my head and i thought i was going insane uh Mm. it was just over and over again uh i won't sing it because i'm not justin uh i i i remember so specifically listening to that song and i had a crush on i'm not gonna say her name but you might remember her. her Owned a uh, motel. Oh, yeah. And she was on my bus, and I had such a huge crush on her, and I would just listen to Let It Die, and my heart would break. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I ever spoke to her. You you never spoke to her? No. She was always there. I thought she was our age. Anyway, uh, so. (laughs) Frank, what's your relationship to so this So my relationship to this, relationship to this album is, like the rest of the world, I jumped on the Feist train with the reminder. Uh, around 2007, I was still in high school. Fucking uh, and, I, and I retroactively got into this album pretty much immediately after. Um, although I was aware of Broken Social Scene, I was not aware she was in Broken Social Scene. Mm. At the time, I was just starting to dip my toe into liking good music. Um, cause I had spent the previous several years being the guy who would listen to WMMR alone in his room and listen to like classic rock and, and hair metal and shit. I mean, that's better than a lot of, <laughs> a lot of us. I was super into, yeah. um, good Charlotte. Come on, baby. So I was just starting to get into good music at the time. You and want it I, but you can't have it. Yeah, that one. That was a big one. I'm going hungry. Yeah. Even flow. Even the mail. Anyway, you were saying, Frank. <laughs> anyway, I was saying, I got in the fights with the reminder. 
I got into this album pretty much immediately afterwards because I saw it was the album that came before that. And then the year after that came out, I went to college uh, in 2008. Uh, and then the recession hit. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I started to associate this album specifically and Musha Boom specifically as like a um, uh, a way to get girls to like me. Uh, by saying that I like this album and this song, I thought that would be like sensitive, Frank. Interesting. Uh, so girls, girls like me because I listen to indie music. So please, this, please listen to me, cute girl with bangs. Shit record. Oh, yeah. Metals is better. Pleasures is better. Even still, <laughs> fuck that shit. Metals is better. <laughs> Dr. Fraser Crane has gotten himself into a bit of a pickle, guys. Do you know why? Do you know why? A little bit of pickle. Because a local columnist has written a negative article about him, and Fraser just can't let it go. This all culminates with a fist fight that does not take place. We'll get to it. In Fraser season one, episode four, maybe. I hate Fraser Crate. Thank you. That's the name of the episode. Thank you, Justin. Thank You're you. Welcome. That was that was excellent. Uh, sit down, sit down, Justin. Put Never your, put your shirt back on. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. This one's a, this one's a bit weird. It's, it's it a, is. It's fun though. I've I've never really watched a show in order, and so I've seen them all kind of like piecemeal. I was not expecting this one to be episode number four of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, this this kind of reads more like a silly late season, like you yeah. know the end's coming, kind of wacky plot line. This is more like Fraser Crane Day than anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay, yeah, um, let me, let me think, uh, what's, like, what's the B-plot here? So the B-plot is, which we, I, I believe, returns in, in, uh, multiple episodes, is that, It uh, does, and it becomes, like, a big joke. Yeah, that Martin is, uh, continually, uh, um, uh, working on a case from 20 years ago. Yes! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he, very uncomfortably, there are a lot of, uh, air quote, hooker jokes yeah this this was like a uh early 90s if you ever saw it treatment of sex work yeah it's 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 uncomfortable to my 2018 uh ears um but i mean it fits with the character of martin crane who is uh like a hard-boiled yeah uh ex-cop mega voter martin crane would have been uh walter mathal if yeah. if Seattle had a functioning uh, underground tram system, yeah. if, if, if 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 it was the taking of monorail zero zero one, because there's only one monorail and it goes in like a quarter mile circle in downtown completely uselessly. Uh, um, how do they get around? Write it. Do you want to do you want to make that spec script? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Monorail. How do they get around in Seattle? Is it all just buses? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, mostly also like walking and bicycles. And have you heard of cars? You fucking idiot. I have. Jesus Christ. Wow. Driving in cities. They have a delightful bus system. Uh, Seattle's the kind of town where when you get off the bus, you have to thank the bus driver. Wow. And 
I wasn't sure if people were fucking like joking or kidding, <laughs> but like when you get on the bus, you say hello. They talk to you. They look at you, which is really fucking weird for a bus driver to make eye contact. And then when you get off, no matter who you are, what's going on, you go, thank you. And I'm just sitting there. I've never done this because obviously if you did this uh, in an East Coast city, you would be murdered outside the bus for being a nerd. Uh, So also, we don't ride the bus. I'm just throwing that (laughs) out there, guys. Uh, If we can't take a train to it, we're driving. Uh, Yeah. Because... Who the fuck can figure out how buses work? Fuck that shit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I get off, and I don't know like what to do with my vocal track to say thank you. So I end up shouting, thank you! <laughs> I have a question, Phelps. Yeah. About Daphne's psychic abilities. In this episode, she is looking at pictures of the... Uh, the the murder victim in in Martin's uh, case, mm-hmm. and she's getting all of these these different uh, things from it. Oh, she had four brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, later on in that, she then noticed like like she senses a man coming, and it it's in wingtip shoes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's Fraser walks in. And and she says, "Oh, I, I sometimes get things mixed up." And Martin just yeah. looks at her like she's a fucking idiot. <laughs> when she was psychically seeing Frazier walk in, this is direct proof that her psychic abilities are real. Is it direct proof, or does she just kind of like guessing? I, I think just as a point here, I've never thought about this before. How the hell does she know Frazier's coming? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the very least, Martin should show her a little <laughs> bit of fucking respect. <laughs> I also, think she was just guessing. I also think that we're not entertaining the possibility that Frazier was the murderer. That's true. Mm. I mean, he does this have a go murderer's dark. forehead. He is Sideshow fucking Bob, by the way. He is Sideshow Bob. And uh, this was 20 uh, years ago. Speaking of Simpsons. Yes. Yeah, speaking of Simpsons, uh, Joe Mantegna is uh, the columnist who hates him. Oh, Derek Mann. Man yeah. about town. Mm-hmm. He, he's got such a delightful, uh, yeah, makes sense, cartoony, threatening voice. So Frazier accepts Fat Tony's mm. challenge, and he goes home, and Martin's very chuffed and proud of him. Uh, and then Fraser says, "Well, of course I'm not going through with it." And Martin's uh, completely devastated and disappointed, and and uh, says, "Well, you gave him your word. You said you're going to do a thing. You're going to do a thing." Uh, uh, and shames him into going through with it. And then he uh, he does, but Martin then goes behind his back and has his old cop buddies. Uh, come and break up the fight before it can start. Which I, I found incredibly sweet. It was very yes, sweet. I and was it, moved. And it had one of my favorite uh, bits, which is one of... I it's I think it's an incredibly characteristic Frasier kind of joke, where the, the old white-haired police officer comes up to Marty and uh, says, you know, uh, okay, so we broke up this fight for you. Thanks a lot. Uh, hey, we're going to be meeting at Duke's later if you want to come by. Martin's like, yeah, I think I will come by. And you know why? Because the Crane boys don't take clarinet lessons anymore, which is this like callback to an earlier thing of how Fraser welched out of a fight. And then he goes, oh, wait, 
you were in my precinct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know what fun. the fuck I'm talking about. And that was the end of the episode. Like, that's a great joke to end an episode on. And and there's something about that. There's something uh, delightfully self-aware about that that I think is so indicative of Frazier's comedic writing. I, I think there, there's also, um, especially in this episode, um, in terms of the comedy of Frasier, is absurd off-screen humor. Mm. This is, I think, we've had some of Maris, but we, we're getting even more of Maris in this episode. But we also have, at this uh, this fight that's about to happen, there are, are people are gathering around, there is a mariachi band, band. Yeah. Yeah. which we then hear, so yeah. we know it's true. The show doesn't get very surreal on screen, but off screen, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, this also had the um, continuation of what would be a series long arc of Niles infatuation with Daphne, mm-hmm. uh, which we have to call the question and the show addresses this in a later season, uh, where Maris is meant to come to a nice family sit down dinner. And, uh, uh, we find out from Niles that a ridiculous reason is why she cannot come and she's excused. And it's just Niles by himself. But we have to wonder, uh, did Niles himself engineer why Maris couldn't be there so he could uh, interact with uh, Daphne without the jealous eyes? I don't think so. It's it's it is a gross problem. thing. It is it's a problematic thing. But for some reason, Frazier is the voice of reason, uh, uh, which makes it all right. There is somebody on the show calling calling Niles out on his disgusting behavior. Oh, stop yeah. staring! Oh, I wasn't! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Niles, though, this is the introduction of a similar but far less uh, series-wide uh, arc of the antipathy bef- between Niles and Roz. And Roz, yeah. Uh, in a hilarious scene. Don't they wind yes. up fucking at one point? No. 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 That's, that's Lilith. He fucks Lilith. He, he, he fucks, fucks Lilith. Which, whoa! We'll credit, get to credit to Fraser for taking that like for a champ. Doing it, yeah. Uh, um, no, Cra- uh, Fraser Crane for taking that like oh, a champ. Yeah. Uh, Frank, use your mouth and say things. I feel like you've been uh, uh, underrepresented in this segment. Oh no, this was a really good episode. Kind of, it was a little bit weird. Like I said. Um, I think it's it's good building blocks, especially because you forget that it didn't build to the Niles and uh, Daphne thing right away. And it kind of gets the ball rolling on. We'll, we'll talk more about it as the show goes on. But it is a problematic thing that becomes a not problematic thing. Yeah, but because still, the show addresses it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think around the middle of it, the show realized it's kind of icky. Yeah. And there's not much you can do about that. And they tried to write their way out of that as best they could. But it starts with a man being in fat, a married man being infatuated by this woman, not telling it to her and then just kind of stalking her for years. Yeah. And the way they would, and obviously they're the people writing the show, but it all made a lot of sense, but basically their solution, because they did kind of reckon with this idea in an episode where, uh, Maris's divorce lawyers were contending that Niles had a secret infatuation with Daphne for years. Uh, and, uh, basically the way they wrote themselves out of it was by just saying that Maris was a monster. 
and yeah. and yeah. Fraser gives a speech about uh, that marriage. If that marriage failed, it wasn't because of you. But obviously, they wrote that. <laughs> but yeah, they, obviously they wrote that. But they also I I um um address I think the more problematic uh, issue, which is is the infatuation itself. The nice guy thing, putting women on a pedestal. Yes, and which, they, yeah. which I think they do. They're one of the only situational comedies I've seen actually handle that idea of putting somebody on a pedestal and and not seeing the reality. But we'll get to it. That's folks. from the late we'll seasons. Justin doesn't like these seasons, but that's from one of the late seasons feels episodes that fucking get me. The one, they, yeah. The oh mo- no, no, I love those. I just don't care for when spoiler alert. Niles has a heart attack. It's a great episode. You're insane. That makes me cry. I wish he died. (laughs) You suck. Fuck (laughs) Frazier. Fuck Frazier. Fuck Frazier. How are we feeling, fellas? I'm feeling okay. And you know why I'm feeling okay? And this is actually slightly related to Frazier. It's because I've been watching a British sitcom on Hulu called Friday Night Dinner. Do tell. It is very similar to Frazier. It's... It is like if every episode of Frasier was the Ski Lodge episode in terms of like structure. Nice. It's about a middle class Jewish family in a London suburb and their two sort of shitty prankster sons meet two insane weird parents for Friday night Shabbat dinner every week. And every episode is that dinner Um, and a bunch of insane sort of like dark British comedy things happen every week. And it's very structurally tight, like the Ski Lodge episode. I'm not and gay. gay. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of, like, incident and farce to it that's very Frasier-esque. Um, but it's British, so it's a lot meaner and funnier mm. in some ways. Nice. Nice. nice, nice. Uh, it's a great show. Friday Night Dinner. And that has cured your emotional woes. That has. That and I'm, I'm making some headway on the job stuff. Had my second interview on Tuesday. Oh. Um, so, so good, good, hopefully good things happening. But uh, yeah. What about you two? I'll let you start. Me? Yeah. Me? Yes, you. I'm doing pretty well. I'm going to have a, a new album uh, out soon. Wonderful. Underscore. Welcome to. <laughs> Uh, three uh, uh, three days ago, it was uh, a three song EP that had a shit ton of shit needing to be done, and now it's an eight song album with five songs done. But those original three still needing work, so just... that's that's going well. I'm gonna have start work on the Christmas album uh, very soon, and I've been watching a lot of Twilight Zone, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and Avatar. The last airbender. The last airbender. Yeah. What? What? Did you ever watch that before? Now I've never seen it before. Oh and my it god! It's so good. Brilliant. We'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, listeners, spoiler alert. We're gonna be doing like mini episodes, mm-hmm. kind of, where we just talk about random stuff at some point. And I think a plan is me and Justin are gonna talk about cartoons. Yes. Because we are adult men in close to our thirties. Who like to watch cartoons? I feel like I'm a child at heart, though. You know, I mean, like I'm I'm young at heart. It makes it worse. Yeah, Tom, makes it worse. How are you feeling, buddy? Right now, I have the distinct uh, feeling that I need to pee. Uh, Same here. But we'll pee together. We'll play swords. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I've been, uh, autumn has struck here in New Jersey, finally. It's beautiful. It's getting a little chilly out. It's it's getting to feel like the season. Uh, and, uh, I don't know about you fellas, but that album, The Reminder, sure puts me in a depression, uh, mm-hmm. for some reason. The Reminder, let it die. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, maybe a little blue? A little blue with this, uh, little this blue. little autumn breeze. Feeling a little sad. Perhaps. With dots in there? Uh, no. Uh, Seasonal affected. Oh, disorder. I see what you did there. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take that again. Oh, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, you know? Cool. All right, so. Cool. Uh, I'm Tom. Cool, cool, uh, cool. I guess uh, I've got a band. It's called Elbow Ache, not Elbow Watch. Or it can be Elbow Watch, whatever you want it to be. But that's at uh, elbowache.bandcamp.com. Uh, that's Justin over here. I'm Justin. You can find me at welcome underscore to underscore wonderfalls on Instagram and welcome to wonderfalls.bandcamp.com. Frank has a Twitter, but it's at redacted. It's, uh, it's private right now. It's at Frank McDevitt. It's private right now because I'm still unemployed and I'm I'm job searching. It'll become unprivate when the job search has concluded. You, you don't want all those Trevor Noah esque uh, problematic <laughs> tweets <laughs> uh, to be discovered by potential employers. You can find us. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. Um, we're on all of the things you want to be. We're at uh, Instagram, Twitter. YouTube, Twitter, at PladLadsPod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter is starting to become a little bit more active. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us. Give us a follow. Talk to us on there. Follow us. We'd talk to, to us. From you. Subscribe. Um, and if I might say so, next week. Yes. The next time you hear us. Yes. We will be doing for a very spooky, spooky. Halloween. Hexon or the history of witches, a Swedish film that's very spooky. And we are doing Fear of Music Talking Heads. And also Frasier. Oh, yeah, Frasier. Thank you. Bye. So long. Uh, better episode this week. Oh, f- fuck. All right. Now let's, let's do one where I'm recording.